finished with high school? After graduating, spending more time and money on study isn't just likely, it's guaranteed. It's back to study. Factor in a hex debt of $50,000 for that law degree, which can be bundled with an incredibly cheap master's, postgrad, PhD, further study, and that cafeteria brownie. For a total of $250,000, you're bound to know everything about law. But wait, job not guaranteed. I'm sorry, I must have misheard you. What did you say? Job not guaranteed. Introducing internships, unpaid work experience, and voluntary experiences guaranteed to boost your resume, but not your self-esteem or your bank account. Think that's fuck? Wait until you go to do your taxes. Taxes, you say? I don't know what that is either. Let's move on. So who needs a band six in chemistry, maths, business, physics, drama, and English when you've got the rest of your life to test you in saving money, tax returns, job hunting, dating drama, house buying, and more. And the best deal of these is that it's endless free education, pain guaranteed. And that's why when you're done with school, it's, it's back, back to, to study. study. Perfect. What now? What now? But seriously, what now? Like, literally, you leave school, and I don't know about you, Alyssa, but my first thought was, <laughs> what now? Like, what was the point of that? Uh, I, I can relate. I definitely can relate to that, Ken. I felt the exact same way leaving school, and I thought, yeah, seriously, like, what have I just put all of my time and energy and effort and soul and... Uh, and blood and sweat and tears into. <laughs> um, who are you? Who, who am I? Where am I going? What am I doing? And how do I pay my taxes? Uh, who fucking um, knows? <laughs> so before we go through the episode, I am Alyssa. And I am Ken. And on today's episode, what are we talking about, Alyssa? So today we are discussing our frustrations with school whilst also exploring the importance of teaching. Yes, and today we're very lucky to have a wonderful teacher who is going to share her thoughts and insights on her role and also the importance of education for us, particularly within a high school institution. Uh, but before we get into that, Alyssa, uh, was there anything you wanted to say about school? Anything major you wanted to get off the chest? <laughs> As How a, did you a, feel about school? As I'm hovering over the keyboard waiting to speak. One of the most important things, you know, following schooling was that, you know, currently we're now in a read, record and regurgitate schooling system. And there was, there's this YouTuber who you might want to look him up. His name is Prince EA. He has got some great videos online. And he had a video called I Just Sued the School System. And he's essentially discussing educational malpractice because we should currently be in an application environment instead of read, record and regurgitate information, a AKA tests, um, you know, reviewing uh, study and putting it in an exam to then receive a mark for what we've done. But he, he basically, there's a, a quite a an eye-opening scene within that video where he shows firstly a photo of horse and carriage versus a car today which has changed completely he also shows what an image of a phone was a hundred years ago today which there was no phone a hundred years ago today versus what we hold in our hands today iphones etc 
And then he shows an image of a classroom 150 years ago versus today and nothing has changed. So, you know, we're still sitting in classrooms learning the same things. And are we really being prepared for the future or the past? So he he sort of discusses all these different ideas. And, you know, he also mentions that no two brains are the same. So why are all of us as students all treated the same and gives a good example as, you know, in, in comparing to doctors, how if you walked into a doctor's clinic and a doctor prescribed you or a doctor prescribed all his patients the same thing, you would see complete tragedy. So why is this happening in schools? So it's, it's a really great video. And I wanted to bring that up because one of the most important things is that a lot of people leave school feeling frustrated and they leave school feeling, you know, I have to reteach my, myself things and I have to relearn X, Y, Z. And so we sort of go into a little bit more detail and discuss this with a current high school teacher who we'd like to introduce to you now. On today's show, we thought it would be fantastic to have an expert in the field talk about her experiences of the realities of high school and to give us a bit of perspective as to what her thoughts are within the industry. So, Emma, hello. How are you? Hi, I'm very good, thanks. Great to be on this podcast. I enjoy listening to it. Well, we're very happy to have an audience member join us to talk about her experiences. So to begin with, can you tell us a little bit about your background in high school education? Yep. So basically, I did a combined Bachelor of Arts and Education for five years to study for it. And then I've been teaching for three full years just in high school. And I'm English and history trained, but because I've done, you know, casual teaching, I've taught a range of different subjects as well. What has your experience so far been like as a teacher? How do you find the school system in terms of the curriculum and what you are told to teach? How do you find that? I find for the most part, it's pretty good, you know, especially when I'm teaching the the subjects that, you know, I'm really passionate about um, English and history. I think that those curriculums um, in the humanities have a bit more kind of wiggle room when it comes to how you teach the activities that you can do. You can try to be quite varied in the different types of activities. And, you know, as teachers, we're encouraged to, you know, try to um, cater to different skill sets in students as much as we can. And Mm. in my opinion, the curriculum has actually improved since um since around the time when we were at school for example in history it's a lot less eurocentric than it used to be there's you know a unit on polynesian expansion they study ancient china in year seven now you know all of these areas that i feel like um weren't part you know options for us when we're at school but uh, they're becoming better now You know, it's really interesting that you say that because especially when you're talking about the wiggle room for humanities and I always find it really interesting talking about that space because there is a bit of development in that space to give students a lot more opportunity to learn broadly about the world around them. I'm actually intrigued, Emma, how you've mentioned that dating back to when you were back in school compared to now there has been 
gradual changes or increased changes that have been beneficial for the students nowadays. But when I sort of still look at classrooms or still see, for example, even my younger cousins that are in school and everything and and seeing how much homework they're getting, how stressed they are and how there's still that idea of there's one teacher at the front of the room standing in front of, you know, 20 to 30, 30 kids But all of those, you know, all of those kids have different strengths and different weaknesses and different dreams and different gifts. I still can see this as a big problem. How do you sort of see as a teacher with how much wiggle room you have to, you know, be creative and and try and make the classroom more fun and entertaining? What what are some of your ways that you try and, I guess, have that one-on-one time with your students? Yeah, so... Well, in terms of um, trying to make the activities more, you know, more inclusive and more interesting, obviously some topics have more of a more of a connection to, you know, more interesting activities that are easier to do for that. Um, but in terms of the one-on-one time as well, at the at the school I'm currently teaching at, um, they have an amazing uh, learning support staff. And they have quite a few um, learning support staff teachers that are in a lot of the classes, but not just that, um, they actually allocate some of the subject teachers, um, like myself, to be a team teacher in a classroom with the subject teacher. So for example, last year, I was team teaching in a geography class with you know the geography teacher once a oh. fortnight. So it just means that the students mm. get more assistance and they can have, you know, a bit more of that one-on-one time when they're trying to, you know, complete the work in class, you know, than one teacher trying to help um, 30, and it is closer to 30 now, students at yeah. once. So that's really good. But wow. a lot of schools, unfortunately, don't have as much support. And I think that's something that, you know, if it was in more schools would be so beneficial for the students and for the staff as well. You know what's really interesting, Emma? I've got a mate who's a teacher and he has his students using tablets instead of note-taking on pen and paper. And they use the Google suite of Drive, Sheets, Docs, Slides. And it's interesting because obviously we never used those when we were younger. Tell me, what do you think about this transition? Do you think it's better for student learning? Um, Sometimes it can be because, you know, with things like... um, Google Docs, if all of the students have, um, you know, some kind of device that they can work on, whether it's, you know, um, from the school or their own, um, you know, on Google Docs and Google Classroom and things like that, you know, the, if it's all up on the smart board in front of the entire class, you know, the teacher and the other students can see who's contributing to what in real time. And that can be quite good in terms of getting the work done and also a bit of um, behavior management and class management. And I think that would actually be a benefit to their learning as well. I teach English as a second language, which is obviously Mm -hmm. different to a high school teacher or a primary school teacher. And I've, I've been a teacher for over a year now, but I'm still in my early days of teaching. But what I've sort of realized now and moving my teaching to online is that, you know, the, there are a lot of people looking for the online teaching, whether it, whether it is, you know, tutoring or preparing them for interviews or tests and things like that too. You know, Google Documents is something that I use quite a lot with my students and it's, it's such a great way to, you know, share documents and, and obviously correct things straight away. And even in terms of 
being online together, whether it's on Zoom or Skype or another additional platform, I think that these technology options do need to be in classrooms because that is that is how people are being, you know, are wanting teachers now as well to have them particularly one-on-one classes as well. Where do you sort of draw the line between having too much technology in the classroom versus, you know, having a moderate amount that we actually do need to prepare them for? I mean, it does depend on the school you're working at because, um, like I said, the school I'm working at, they don't have student, you know, all students bringing in their own devices. Um, you know, the teachers actually have to make more of an effort to have a computer-based lesson. So whether to book a computer room or to book in, you know, the laptop, the school laptops that they have a couple of class sets of. So at this school in particular and other schools like it, there's, you know, more effort goes into actually having the technology in the classroom for the students to use. So it's more handwriting and things like that. But, you know, you'd want to try to make sure that you're using computer-based activities or, you know, helping students with giving some class time to work on hand-in assignments that they'll have to do. That's, I've found to be common in most schools now that if there's a hand-in assignment that's, you know, due in two weeks, then they'll give students, say, two in-class lessons to work on it so the teacher Mm -hmm. can help them, which is really good. Um, But at other schools where they have bring your own device, you know, it's obviously then more of an effort to, you know, put down the devices and do something that's not based on that. So I guess it depends on the school you're in, which policy there is. So that sounds like a pretty good overview of where things are at and how things have changed since our time back in high school. Cause I think between the three of us, it wasn't like this at all. So no. <laughs> I suppose um, I've got a question for you just to bring this into some of the challenges you're facing as a teacher. I remember you once mentioned to me that the department of education isn't staffed by any teachers. Is that right? Um, yeah. As far as I'm aware, the, um, the higher positions, I think, are mostly people who have not been teachers in a classroom. Can you explain why that might be a challenge for people such as yourself? So it can affect things like changes um, in curriculum where you're given a set number of hours in which you're expected to you know, deliver the curriculum to the students and also assess them on that curriculum. But... You know, for example, history and geography are two subjects that are structured quite differently in different schools. Some schools, you know, teach history and geography as separate subjects throughout the year. So students learn both. Other schools, they have, they learn one for one semester and the other one for the other semester. So if that's done, it means that you have half the time to teach the same amount of content. So, you know, if you haven't actually taught in a classroom, you may not see that as a potential issue. Also, class size is a big, big issue now because of the rising population in Sydney, especially. Mm. Um, There's a lot more students and, you know, the class, the number of classrooms isn't really, you know, growing. How much influence does the Department of Education have on schools? For public schools, you know, obviously they have um, more influence than private schools. But in terms of, yeah, in terms of curriculum and everything, I mean, um, schools 
you know, throughout a cycle have to provide evidence to the department that they're, you know, following certain guidelines when it comes to curriculum, when it comes to, you know, teacher staff development. Then there's tests like NAPLAN as well, which all schools have to do as well. So that's another thing that affects what we're teaching in the classroom. So... So yeah, so there's quite a bit of influence, but I'd say more for, yeah, more for public schools for sure. Yeah. And I think as well that with having the the curriculums created by these, you know, our governments and these policy makers that let's be honest, they've never probably, most of them have never taught a day in their lives. So they you think know, they have. Well, you know, teachers, so teachers are not the problem here when people talk about, well, even when I say, you know, school is a complete waste of time. Why did we even go to school? You know, it, it's not the teachers, it's not the teacher's fault or the teacher's problem. It is the policymakers that are, you know, sometimes creating these guidelines that the teachers have to follow. And obviously some teachers really do care about their students and really make so much effort and try and make school really fun or make at least one of their classes really fun and entertaining and try and bring out the creative side in people or or another way of making that student feel like they are learning or developing in that particular area because I know even when I think about back in primary school when I was in grade four my favorite teacher in throughout my whole primary school days Miss Holland she's the only teacher that I remember I remember the others but they I hate I hated the rest of them because, <laughs> because, because and, and I'm saying and I'm saying this because a lot of younger people could probably relate now too and I and I know why I'm sort of saying this because when I look back at that in primary school Miss uh-huh. Holland actually took her time to stay with me after class to go over something or she would mm. really take notice of my work she would remember what I did wrong last week and then what I did right this week. And she would remind me like how far I'd come or like, look at, look from six months ago, Alyssa to like where you are now, or, you know, giving me additional work that she knew would benefit me and sort of being more of a a support system. And that I got that caring from her that I remember as, you know, being a young, how old would I have been there in grade four, eight, nine, probably 10. I was a youngin, so yeah, probably <laughs> 10. So that really sort of stands out to me when I sort of look back to my primary school days in regards to teachers. But I remember I, had, I did have a maths teacher which didn't like me and that was because I was talking all the time in class and that was because I didn't enjoy maths, which a lot mm-hmm. of people can probably relate to as well. And I, yeah, and I think... Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and And I think it's just really... For teachers in those positions where they get a student that is not enjoying, and and I see this now as a teacher, when I've been in a classroom teaching English as a second language, I've seen where my students, you know, if we're learning grammar and there's a couple of students that absolutely hate grammar and they're just Mm. chatting away, talking, you know, being disrespectful. So I Mm -hmm. see now from, you know, sort of their point of view, how I was in particular subjects or areas that I didn't enjoy or I didn't like. So I think it's, it's definitely opened your eyes up to sort of where teachers can be more creative or sort of give that extra attention to students in a more so supportive way. What are your thoughts on the ideas of parents' expectations, thinking that the teacher needs to do all of the teaching to their students? What are sort of your yeah ideas or thoughts around 
parents versus teachers? There seems to be um, a trend these days, unfortunately, of teachers being blamed more by parents for their children's skills and outcomes in education, which is quite unfortunate because, you know, teachers are, in general, in my experience, you know, trying to do the best they can to help students um, achieve their personal best. And, you know, obviously some parents have um, unrealistic expectations of what their child can or should achieve. That's an issue in and of itself. Some, some parents, unfortunately, um, I've experienced, don't want to acknowledge that their child has any kind of, you know, um, learning difficulties. They don't want to have their child diagnosed and they have to have a diagnosis in schools to actually get additional support. The school yeah. can't um, give funding to them to get additional support unless they have some kind of, you know, diagnosis. And some parents, you know, they want to see their child as quote-unquote normal and so they won't get the child a diagnosis. So unfortunately that's something I've experienced as well as, you know, with parents having unrealistic expectations of their children, which is really unfortunate as well. And I think particularly as well with younger, like very young students in early primary school days, teachers get it rough. Teachers have one of the most important jobs in the world. You know, I think particularly growing up, it's not just the effects on parenting as someone is growing up or a child is growing up, but actually how teachers are impacting their students as well because, and I listened to this in a, in a video somewhere as well, but the guy was comparing teachers versus doctors and he was saying that doctors, you know, obviously save lives and, you know, get, get paid very highly for their skills to save a life. But when it comes to teachers, people don't actually sort of or sort of overlook the idea of with a teacher, if a teacher can actually really look after, you know, one of their students in particular and, if a teacher can reach the heart of a child and actually show that child how to live, like in terms of teaching them, you know, whether it is like following a passion or following a dream or something like that in turn, it's sort of essentially saving a child's life at the same time. And Mm. some people, some people might potentially look at that and go, okay, haha. Like, but it's seriously real. Like it's so real. If you're actually really bringing, yeah, bringing up that student in a, in a classroom and, really reaching their heart as a child, even if it's Mm -hmm. teaching them confidence. It's got nothing to do with curriculum, got absolutely nothing to do with curriculum or anything like that, teaching them confidence or standing up for themselves or, you know, maybe they're feeling really stressed or upset. Also, as an example, you know, some kids growing up too, they don't have good home lives. So school Mm. is everything they have. So if a teacher can connect with a student and create you know, teach them how to create relationships or, or create that relationship with the student and make that student feel like they have, you know, essentially a home or essentially somewhere to go where they feel safe. Then that's why teachers have such, you know, one of the most important jobs in the world. I like to hear that. (laughs) Well, I think you're right though, Alyssa, because it's very similar to what a lot of us experience later in life with therapy, which is trying to find our happiness as well. I think that to add to that, there's a lot of stress in high school. I mean, Mm. not to mention with the HSC and (laughs) everything else. I mean, at times, Emma, do you feel like you almost have to act like a therapist for your students as well? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, these days, in terms of what I've seen in schools, there seems to be more of a focus on, you know, if you teach your 11 or your 12 students, emphasizing the fact that, you know, the HSC, it isn't the end, you know, it can, you know, if you try your best and, you know, you still don't get there, there's other avenues to get into university and not everyone wants to go to university. There's other pathways and things like that. So, yeah, it's definitely... Definitely a stressful time, but we do we do try to help students um, alleviate that stress as much as possible. At the school I teach at, um, staff members can also volunteer to be a year 12 mentor for two students. So oh, we just check in with those students um, every now and then and make sure they're doing okay, you know, help them out with their studying plan. You know, making sure they're, you know, getting enough sleep and, you know, exercising and keeping themselves healthy while you know doing their best for for year 12 so that's that's a really good policy at the school i'm at i've got a question for you and this might sound a bit controversial but do you think the stress in high school is necessary for students i think i think a you know a certain level of stress is good because it's you know realistic for for their lives in the future you know kind of helping them to find their own kind of ways of dealing with with the stress of trying to you know get work done, trying to, you know, get a job done, trying to juggle having to do multiple things and having deadlines and things like that because, you know, everyone I'm pretty sure experiences that, you know, whether they, you know, have a job or are a stay-at-home parent, for example, they'd still have deadlines, things that they juggle, bills, all of that. So, so I think, you know, I think school, there's a good level of stress, but then, you know, obviously there are certain things that push those stress levels higher and those tend to be, you know, those external tests like say NAPLAN or the HSC. I think particularly in regards to, yeah, HSC and we actually call it VCE in Victoria, sort of the tests, like the standardized tests and, and the multiple choice quizzes and those kinds of things that in school we're sort of, we're sort of taught that, you know, these are the most important tests of our lives and it determines our Mm -hmm. future like seriously quote unquote every single teacher said that to us this determines your future (laughs) no it It was a life-changing moment (laughs) (laughs) which yes obviously it can greatly impact how you start off or or what your next sort of chapter or pathway leads into after school but at the same time Mm. I think you know there's also a lot of people that Mm. within our school system that we have now you know I think this is one of the biggest problems actually that we get thrown into you know whatever it is, 10 different subjects and we Mm. read everything. We have to study everything so much. We have to remember everything and then do it all in a test and regurgitate it out onto the test. And that's Mm. sort of the, the way that, you know, the system is sort of teaching us to learn things, but really the best way to actually learn something is through application and, and by applying something and doing it, there should be some sort of I guess, way where we start changing or innovating into more of an application-based system rather than stupid tests, to be quite frank. <laughs> like, that's my opinion on that. Yeah, I mean, we do, we do try to um, assess on different, different skills in, you know, within the school. Um, but then, you know, in the HSC, you have that big exam at the end that's worth 50% of your mark. So it's still, yeah. you know, the most stressful exam you'll ever ever take probably and you know well in your life what what university course you do if you do a university course as well I think actually as well though a lot of schools and and tell me your thoughts on this too 
I think a lot of schools really push for people to, particularly in year 11 and 12 or BCE, HSC, a lot of mm-hmm. teachers push for the students to go into uni and go to, go to university. Some obviously then, you know, have, say that there's other options in terms of TAFE courses and things like that too. But I don't know what school was like for you guys, but when I was in year 12, going to TAFE was not a good thing. Like, no. like uni was huh. the thing to do. Like you had to go to uni. If you went to TAFE, you were sort of... Um, you were considered dumb. Well, yeah, they, they, yeah, you sort of were. Huh. You were considered not as smart as the people going to uni. And, and that was very much a stereotype. And I sort of think back to that now. And the people that actually, for example, dropped out in year 10 and go, went and did an apprenticeship or whether it was plumbing huh. or hairdressing or those types of short-term apprenticeships, those, they were the people that got jobs immediately and were earning great money immediately out of school. Yep. And mm. I look at those guys and I'm like, wow, you guys saved 60 to 100 grand on university fees that we're all now in Hexted in. And you're earning good money <laughs> mm. earlier than we all did. I know I for, before I finished university, I had probably a whole year's worth of unpaid work experience and internships. So, you know, which was great experience and got me into my, my, you know, dream job at the time. But, you know, it's just so different how the teachers or, you know, how, how my high school was at the time sort of never really spoke to us more about how TAFE actually could be a great option for you or how maybe doing something along the line of your passion or asking us what actually are our passions, what actually are our dreams. If we had no idea what we wanted to do, was it actually a good choice for us to actually go to a university if we weren't ready and we had no idea what we wanted to do? Because for a lot of people, I'm so grateful that I took a gap year. I'm so happy that I did that. And I, I tell everyone like, all my cousins, my little cousins that are, you know, are finishing school soon, they're all asking me what to do. And I'm like, travel, 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 travel. <laughs> so, you know, go, go work, go find, go get a job, work half the year for full time mm-hmm. in a cafe mm-hmm. or whatever it is, go, and then go traveling. Particularly if you don't know what you, know, what you want to do, because I mm. saw friends and other people that had gone straight into university and completely resented it immediately and also because they were burnt out you know vca was was hard and then you go straight back again into uni after 13 years of already being in in schooling so i know it's just one institution after another yeah (laughs) so so yeah what so what are your thoughts on that emma what what do you think about i guess tafe versus university Mm. and and particularly in the vce level or hsc should they be changing their direction of communication in that regard? Yeah. Well, in my, in my experience at the schools I've been teaching at, because I've only, I've only taught in public schools. So I, I'd assume that this would be different in private schools, but um, in the public schools that I've taught at, um, you know, the HSC isn't, you know, advertised by staff to the students as the only option. Like students are presented with lots of other options like TAFE or VET courses or, you know, for example, at the school I'm teaching at, there's kind of like stream that you can be in as a student called life skills, which means that you don't get an ATAR, but you get your high school certificate. So 
you're okay. not given you're not given that final mark and that you know final ATAR ranking but you know you get the certificate saying that you graduated high school and then you know you can go on to do other things with you know with that and not have to go into uni you know obviously you could you know go through a different pathway to go to uni later if you wanted to yeah but um but those you know those are for the students who um already know that um university isn't isn't um their goal right now i've also taught at another school where you know for example the the hospitality classes you know they were making learning how to make like barista style proper coffees um in the mornings and yeah. the teachers could go down and buy a coffee for three dollars from them <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so they were being trained on you know hospitality skills and we were getting coffee it was great <laughs> yeah that, that, well that's awesome I, I think like the probably one of the main things is i guess in school because definitely in year 12 you know we did have those options of the TAFE courses and the doing the VAT courses and things like that but mm. I think because in what I remember is that everyone was so focused on getting a high ATAR everyone was so focused on that number of that oh like I really got to get you know like in the 90s or I got to get a high 80s or like if I get in the seventies, like I'll just, I might just get my first preference or but anything mm. below that, you know, you're a failure. You, you know, like if, if you were below those higher numbers, we mm. would think that we like were a failure or so yeah. I think there maybe in year 12, maybe it was not necessarily having these different options available to us in terms of TAFE you know, uni, all of that, but maybe in, um, in regards to how to deal with stress, you know, meditation, how to actually take time out and not completely burn mm-hmm. out and also mm-hmm. mindset teaching, mindset classes. Like that's what, I think that's what VCE needs. Yeah. I think that would help for sure. It's, I think it, it is just a bit difficult within the, you know, the crazy the um, HSD time, timetable and curriculum. Yeah. Yeah, to mm. find the time for that within within the school. But, you know, obviously it's very important. You know, we can tell students as much as possible, you know, you need to take time out to rest and everything. But if, if they're stressing because of a, a goal they really want to achieve, then it's very hard for them to take time out for themselves. So mm-hmm. in that wonderful period when you finished high school, and you're looking ahead into the future. My first thought was, I got no clue what I'm gonna do with my life. And now you sound like someone who knew that education was your direction. My Mm. question to you is, do you think school has a purpose? Um, Well, yes. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm I'm just a teacher for fun. I'm just a teacher for fun. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, you know, the subjects that are taught in school and everything, you know, in my personal experience, I wanted, I knew I wanted to be a teacher since I was in year five, but I wanted to be a primary school teacher at that point. That's all I knew. (laughs) And, um, but then I got to high school, but it wasn't until about year nine that I really, really decided that English and history were my passion and that I wanted to teach high school so I could just focus on the subjects that I really enjoyed and, you know, hopefully help other students enjoy them as well. But I think it is important, you know, that students have a broad range of subject knowledge at the start through primary and then at the start of high school. And then, you know, obviously as high school goes on, there's electives that you choose in year eight and year nine and year 10. And then, you know, years 11 and 12, 
you pick all the subjects that you do, um, except, you know, English, which you have to do, but you can even, you know, pick the level of English that you want to do because there are so many different levels. So I think, I think it is important that students have that range of knowledge to then help them decide which, you know, subject areas they might enjoy more and maybe, you know, turn into a career somehow. Okay, so then what do you think <laughs> of the top three outcomes that schools are currently giving to students? I think that pretty much every subject, there's a focus on critical thinking in some form, yeah. whether it's in science or maths kind of subjects, or whether it's, you know, um, in English, learning to be critical of different text types. And even, even in history as well, you know, we're looking at, at the way that history is written and is that biased in some way. So I think that critical thinking is something that is addressed in all subjects, which is really good. Also in terms of, yeah, like I said, just trying to give students a basis of a breadth of knowledge about different topics in the world is really important. You know, even if they may not like it, at least at the start, at least it gives you, you know, a, a basis of maths, a basis of understanding of geography, a basis of understanding history, etc. So I think, I think that's really good as well. And, and hopefully, you know, giving students skills um, to, you know, deal with um, different types of people and different types of environments as well, just giving them that experience um, to help them out in the real world as well. What about homework? What are your, your takes on, on homework? Because I think mm. obviously with, the day-to-day -day stresses of a young child's life as they're growing up or even th actually throughout high school as well. In terms of a real life work day, obviously a work day is longer and we, d we have less breaks. So mm -hmm. for a little bit of homework, I think is reasonable, but mm. in terms of having big projects look like all due at the same time, like five, pro like I just think that's not good or maybe it's good for time management or, learning how to do deadlines and things like that. But I think there are a lot of schools, even, you know, there was one of my cousin's schools, they were getting homework throughout the, the holidays. And I just disagreed with that mm -hmm. completely yeah. um, over the Christmas holidays. Uh, so what are, yeah, what are your takes on homework? Well, I think, I think they're different in every school as well. So schools I've taught at, it's just pretty much been up to the teachers, um, how much homework you want to give and everything. And obviously, you know, every time a teacher gives homework, you know, it's, it's actually more work for the teacher because they then have to check Correct up with it. you. <laughs> lesson and That's probably why I don't give homework. That. <laughs> That's so um, funny. Yeah, so it's, it's, homework isn't easy for the teachers either, but... Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> the more you yeah. set, the more you do. Exactly, yes. <laughs> yeah. But my, my personal policy on homework is just that I set homework if we didn't get through enough in a lesson for, you know, what we need to get done in the lead up to, you know, an assessment task, which is like a deadline that I set for the classwork for a certain amount of the topic to be done to make sure the students have covered everything that yeah. will be in the assessment task. So, yeah, so I generally just set homework for, for yeah, times cool. like that. Fair enough. Moving back onto the areas that school should be improved in, I know that we were talking very briefly earlier about how there's the introduction of more humanitarian related topics. And before, Emma, you were talking about how there is a lot of opportunity for schools to teach students critical thinking. 
in terms of some of the areas I personally would like for there to be greater critical thinking would be areas mm-hmm. like better understanding how our government works, better understanding mm-hmm. of the Australian environment, understanding media literacy and in terms of that, better understanding the biases that you talk in history, but also in terms of, you know, news outlets as well, because I think that's mm-hmm. equally important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all of those topics are very important. And and I'd, I'd say all of them are at least briefly touched on in different subject areas. In terms of how the Australian government works, that's part of the Year 9 history syllabus. When you learn about the history of Australia, you learn about government which unfortunately is one of the drier parts of the course. And I was about to say, I hated that. So trying to teach 30 teenagers about government, it's, it's not easy. <laughs> I think that is one of the problems related to schools once again too, is that, for example, I like could not tell you anything that I learned in from probably, I don't know, from probably like year seven to to 10 onwards like there is so much that I don't remember because I like never learnt it again after doing that test and then just like completely forgot about it do you know what I mean like you have Mm -hmm. we have to learn everything and then do it in a test and then we forget Mm -hmm. about it and never think of it ever again and so you don't you're actually just not learning it yeah I agree I agree also Emma in your opinion where do you think there would be opportunities to improve school education? So, so I guess um, one of the things that I personally think would be good to change would be how much, you know, of a weighting is on that final HSE exam. Yes. I think, I think being worth half of the total mark still is too much, um, Mm -hmm. especially, um, as you were saying before, that, you know, some, you know, just studying for an exam, um, it's super stressful and it's not what everyone is good at either. So even if they're, you know, good at the subject and passionate about the subject, they might just not be good um, under test conditions. Um, I personally always preferred um, take-home assignments and presentations mm. to yeah. exams. Yeah. So less less of a pressure on that final exam I think would be good because even those subjects that do have um you know the actual um kind of practical assessment tasks like say drama or dance or whatever you know there's still there's still you know an exam that they have to do and you know that's very stressful so I think that um if that could be changed that would probably be good as well yeah yeah on top of that too i also feel like it should be less you know i understand that obviously school wants to give a broad spectrum of learning however possible but i almost feel like instead of perhaps criticizing students for their i suppose perceived failure to take a test to not do well in maths biology chemistry physics as a bad sign actually rethink that and go you know what you may not enjoy that You may not learn properly with the way we're teaching you, but that doesn't mean that you are a bad person or in any way, shape or form, lazy Mm. or incompetent. What it means is that maybe this structure for learning isn't for you. Maybe this subject doesn't interest you and that's perfectly fine. Because I think if you give students this sort of mentality of, you know, you have to be good at everything, to be honest, that just confuses us even more because where the hell are we supposed to go then? 
Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. Just to wrap it up, Emma, would you like to say anything, um, anything else um, to, I guess, maybe the other teachers out there potentially listening that might have struggles with what they're, with the curriculums or the school system that they're dealing with or any of your hot tips parents. as a teacher? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, well, as, as still a relatively um, early career teacher, you know, I, I face a lot of challenges that, you know, more seasoned teachers don't. So I'd just say for those who are starting out, um, you know, it's, it's harder at the start, but, you know, you, you get more experienced and you start to learn, you know, things that work and things that don't work so much. And just to remember, you know, remember why you got into teaching, what made you passionate about it, you know, whether it's, yeah, you know, the it. subject or, you know, helping helping the younger generations and, you know, things like that. Um, you know, it's hard, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of, you know, small moments that make it worthwhile. You know, a student walking out of a classroom and thanking you for the lesson can just make your day. So that's so just remember true. I those moments. Yeah. Mm. I, love I think that. that does make a big difference. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, look, Emma, thank you so much for joining us today to talk about the relevancy of school, because I think that whilst some of us, well, a lot of us probably walk out going, what the hell was that all about? I think <laughs> that there is obviously a lot of people who, like yourself, are passionate about making sure that it does provide a positive, transformative experience for their students. No worries. I was very happy to be on. Thank you. Thank you so much, Emma. Well, that was good having Emma join us. That was great. It was so nice to hear from, you know, a current high school teacher and to hear her thoughts as well. I think our listeners would just feel maybe this is quite relevant and relatable to them because for those of them who are undergoing the process of transitioning from high school into university, this is definitely a frustrating period. I think though for a lot of us who are well and truly into our adult years, we just look back on it and go, man, we could have done so much better in that period of time. The amount of unlearning I've had to do from that entire high school education is crazy. But at the same time, there are plenty of wonderful opportunities for school to help us. That Absolutely. being said, um, that's the reason why we're here. But what now? What now indeed. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning into our 12th episode. And we hope you got a lot out of it. Let us know if you are following us and listening to us online. You can always send us an email at whatnowpod at gmail.com or you can catch us on all of our social channels on Facebook, Instagram. We are on the Apple Store podcast. And if you loved this episode, we'd love you to leave this episode a review or a comment. And we will be getting back uh, in the next couple of weeks with our next episode ken which is on that's a great question uh what is it on Alyssa? <laughs> <laughs> this is a surprise it's it's gonna be a surprise for the next one so okay a big question mark is looming for everyone a question mark is looming indeed so we will speak to you guys soon and as always hit subscribe for a vibe and be part of our tribe beautifully said and on that note we hope you guys have a wonderful time and we'll speak to you guys very soon bye, bye.